before I share why Diana is going to come up and she's going to share a little about, bit about their trip to uh, uh, Love is Red conference in Canton, Ohio. And, and she has uh, Kirsten's going to share with us too about what happened. So, Diana. So I'm Diana. Um, many of you already know me, but for those who don't, uh, my husband and I, Jeremy, we lead our Thursday night youth group, and this is Kirsten. She's also one of our Thursday night kids. Um, so last weekend, we went to a conference that is called Love is Red, and that was March f- uh, 1st through the 3rd, and I had five girls go with me, five very brave girls. Um, and so you're wondering, what is Love is Red? Well, I'm going to read you their mission statement. And it is, Love is Red is an annual youth and young adult conference located in Canton, Ohio. This three-day event is designed with junior high, high school, college age, ministry leaders, and worship leaders in mind. And our goal is to inspire students and develop leaders to know Christ and make him known. So what happened at Love is Red? And we had seven main sessions with seven different speakers packed in three days. Um, in addition to the seven main speakers, there were also five mini speakers, I guess you would call them. They're not pictured up there. But uh, they did what was called five minutes of fire. And in this five minutes, these five, uh, five people had only five minutes to preach a message. So it was like, it was really it was really fun to watch that and how much you can pack into five minutes. And that also encouraged me to not run on and on and on on Thursdays, that you can do a lot in five minutes. And also, in addition to all of the seven speakers, the five minutes of fire, on Friday and Saturday, they offered morning classes. Uh, Three of our girls went to the class on depression, and then I went with the other two to do the class on relationships. And there were three different bands to do worship. So that was cool. So there was a a constant rotation of different groups. All right. And then, so to, let's see what else is, what's up next here? I forgot. Okay. So to summarize the topics, because you can't just talk on all of them, but some of them um, were fear and hopelessness, because that's what this younger generation is dealing with, a lot of fear and hopelessness. Um, Such a time as this and stepping up to take your place, conviction, finding our identity, and becoming more like Jesus. And I chose to kind of talk about becoming more like Jesus. And so I have, so we need to be loving, loving with no strings attached. You may not get anything in return from loving people. Loving them as individuals. It's easy to love people that are like us, but when the people aren't like us, Uh, It's a little tougher. And to remember that they are individuals and special. And loving those around you, who is in your sphere of influence? You have family, friends, and coworkers, and you can love them. And And loving people despite what they do to themselves or us. All right, got a little thing. Uh, present a little graph thing here that they did at the conference. 
Either you have thick skin, a hard heart, thin skin, soft heart. If you are a thick skin and hard heart, you're always hurting others. And I'm going to use this graph, like when I'm thinking about kids on Thursday nights, to kind of where are they and how can I love them better. So over here, if you have a hard heart and a thin skin, you're easily offended by others. A thin skin, soft heart, always hurt by others. But if you want to be like Jesus, you have to have thick skin and a super soft heart for people that are hurting. All right, and I'm going to let Kirsten go now. Hey, my name is Kirsten, and I went to the Love is Red conference. What I learned at Love is Red is that oppression and anxiety can lead to depression, that we can't let anxiety control us. I also learned that we need to learn how to balance our gift and our dirt. That no matter how many times you have disobeyed God or what a rough past you have, God still loves you. I learned that you do not have to switch from one thing to another and pretend that you are something different just to fit in. It has helped me me get over anxiety and stress, and I can talk in front of people without, like, getting scared. And... It has impacted my family's life because we are more at peace with God. All right, so these are just you can see here. These are just some of the pictures. This uh, is right before we left, before that big bad snowstorm came, and then on the turnpike it was a struggle. Here's the group. Uh, we were standing in front of one of the many um, photo booth areas. There we have Kirsten, Liz. Kyrie, Riley, and Reagan. This is uh, the auditorium or sanctuary before we uh, even got started. There is a thick layer of teenagers waiting for worship to start up there in the front. And then these are just some of the pictures from our worship services. They convinced me that third row is fun. (laughs) A little too old for third row, but you know, whatever. And then uh, once we handed in our tickets to um, get in on Thursday, they gave us wristbands. And on the wristbands, it says, love is red, and you can't see it on there, but it says, in this together. And that's what we have to do with our relationship with God. We have to walk in it with others, because you can't go far if you don't have someone helping you. All right. And guess what? We're going back next year. March 7th through the 9th. $39 for the conference, money for food, and uh, if you want more information and you want your middle schooler, high schooler to go to this, you can find out more information at loveisred.net. And another cool thing is you can watch each of the sessions that we sat through. I don't know how long they'll have them up there. I'm guessing maybe a year. But um, So if you want to know more about what we learned, get online and watch from the comfort of your couch. Thank you. Thank you, Diana and Kirsten. It's just really important to continue to uh, invest in the lives of young people. Really important, especially nowadays, not just especially nowadays, but it seems like especially nowadays, you know, 
young people are just struggling with a lot of things, a lot of stuff going on. Um, so just uh, we need to keep not just praying for our young people, but really, you know, making decisions to invest in them. And people, children around you, you know, you just look around and they're everywhere. But, you know, it's easy sometimes to ignore them and pretend like they're not there. But we really need to invest in them. Continuing our family series, uh, today I'm going to share about husbands and wives. And I just want to shape, Shay, I just want to say before I start that, you know, whether or not you're married or not married, a lot of these things I'm going to share pertain to relationships. Um, and, and, you know, as a, as a congregation, as a people, we need to continue to share about family and marriage uh, because how else are young people going to learn? How else, how else are they going to grow if we don't share God's word with them? So, so today I'm going to be talking about husbands and wives. Um, in Genesis, the second chapter, the 27th, 22nd verse, it says, Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of the man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And one of my questions is, how do two become one? How do two become one? Well, I believe two become one through a process. It's a process. And I believe processes are painful. Processes are painful. You, you think about the, the word process, you know. There's a, lot of, there's a couple of scriptures that say, in the process of time, this came about. What's a process of time? What happens in that process? What I believe happens is God processes us. And my picture of a process is a blender. A blender. You know, blender, you take a lot of different ingredients, you put them in the blender, and you flip that switch. And they all become one. Think about the process. Yeah, they all get chopped up, and they all become one. A blender, a process. You know, so I think, I think becoming one is a process. And I believe the process is what makes or breaks us. There's a lot of things in life that, you know, we avoid the process. We want to get to the outcome a lot of times. We want to get to the end result, but I don't want to go through the process. I don't want to have to deal with all that. And some don't want to be processed. We, if we don't want to be processed, we say things like, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. I'm not changing. I'm not changing. This is the way I am. This is the way God made me. I want you to tell you that there's some things you are that aren't necessarily the way God made you, but God will change you if you let him go through the process. Sometimes we say things like, well, my partner doesn't want to change. Or we say things like, well, why do I have to do all the changing? Why do I, why is, why is it just me? And one of my words of advice is that, you know, it's not just about you, but God wants to change you, and he's always going to start with you, you know? And he's always going to start with me, that, that we're the one we have to look at. A lot of times we want to look at the other person. I'll change if they go first. Well, I just want you to know that God wants you to go first, okay? In Isaiah, the 64th chapter, the 8th verse, 
It says, but now, O Lord, you are father. You are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. And all we are and all we are the work of your hands. He's we're the clay. He's the potter. What happens? Well, the potter puts the clump of, lump of clay on a wheel and he starts turning the wheel and he processes that clay. He processes it. He molds it and he makes it. You know, we even sing songs once why you know, we sing, Lord, mold me and make me. And I always think, I, I can't help but think, oh yeah, how many want to do that? And you know, we sing it without realizing, mold me and make me. You know, change me, make me different, process me, help me to be different. And I believe marriage is a process. It's a process. You know, we think maybe when we get married, we're, we've arrived, but it's just the beginning. You know, dating is kind of a, the word came to me was fairy tale, but that's not probably altogether true, but it's about that. You know, dating, was, dating is when everybody puts forward their best foot to try to fool the other one. That's my, that's, that's kind of my little interpretation. But you know, you, you, you are, you're on your best. You know, you're on your best, you're trying your best, you want to do your best, but, you know, ultimately, we'll find out that, you know, marriage is a decision, love is a decision. It's not just a feeling. I believe there are feelings, but it's not just a feeling. Sometimes it's just a flat-out decision. You know, you, do, you decide. Sometimes we find in marriage that opposites attract. Then they attack. You know, I always, when I counsel people before marriage, I say, why, why are you marrying this person? You know, why, why are you marrying them? What do you like about them? What, what, what is it? And I say, now, I make them tell me. Okay, tell me what you like. And they'll list all the good things. I say, okay, now, that's good. And I have them tell about each other. I say, okay, now, tell me the things you don't like about them. You know, that's a little tougher. You know, he's like, well, you know, they're just getting married. It's like, you know, but a lot of times they'll be honest. They'll say, well, I don't like this. Because I say this is important because you marry him for what you like and you try to divorce him for what you don't like. And sometimes what happens is we marry him for what we like and then all of a sudden later on we forget what we liked about him. Now all I can think about is what I don't like. And we don't want to go through that process, that process. The Bible says we have to leave and cleave and become one. What does that mean? You know, that's, that's easy to say, well, you leave and cleave and become. What does that mean? What, what happens when two become one? Well, I'm just going to share a few things. I'm going to try to make it practical. I think if we can't make it practical, then it's hard to kind of get to the reality of what we're talking about. What are some practical things? Number one, if you don't learn to celebrate your differences, you'll fight over them. If you don't learn to celebrate your differences, you're going to fight over them. And we just need to admit we're all different. We have different opinions. We don't all think alike. We're different. And sometimes you just celebrate your differences. Sometimes you got to laugh about it. You know, as opposed to sometimes getting angry about it, you know. I'm not going to share any personal stories today 
because, you know, I usually do it kidding and then people can't tell that I'm kidding so they think I'm being mean or something. So, so I'm not going to do that. But, you know, we're all different. We're all different. Some like it hot, some like it cold. Some are neat, some are sloppy. Some are on time, some are late. Some are compulsive. Some are logical. We have differences. We have differences. We need to kind of go, okay, we're different. Now, you become one, but that doesn't mean you're going to change everything. You know, I think you find over time, you know, if you get enough time, you become one a lot more than you realize. You know, some things not, don't change, you know. Mary always liked, I see, I'm going to tell a story now. No, Mary always liked it cold. Mary always likes it, she, like, she likes it hot because she's always cold. That's what I was trying to say. She likes it hot because she's always cold. Me, I was always pretty warm. But as I got older, I've changed. Not because I'm trying to be nice, but if for some reason I've just changed. I think I'm taking an aspirin or something that just kind of helped that situation. But, you know, sometimes there's things like that, you know, that kind of over time we just kind of become one, become one in, in a, lot of these, a lot of these issues. Not always changing completely to say that we always just absolutely agree. But, you know, we start to think alike. We start to do things. We start to maybe give and take a little bit, you know. Or if we get to a point that we can't get there, I think then, honestly, you just kind of celebrate your differences. You know, well, that's just the way he is. He's quirky. You know, well, that's just the way he is. He's whatever. Or that's the way she is. And you realize that that's the way it is and you love them. You love them. It's a decision. It's a decision. Number two, if you expect to make, if you expect your mate to meet all your needs, you're going to be disappointed. You know, sometimes we think that getting married is going to solve all of our problems. At some, you know, at some point in time, we thought that. You know, Boy, if we just get married, it'll just be glorious and wonderful. My partner will just take care of me. And whenever I need something, they'll be there. And they'll listen to me and provide for me and, and just, it'll be glorious. And then it doesn't happen. And I believe sometimes we put that expectation on a human being that we should never do. Because I believe that God is the source and he's the one that meets our needs. I'm not saying we don't serve one another, we don't meet needs but ultimately you know god is the source he's the source god will use people not always your spouse who use people to meet various needs and always remember that your spouse really isn't capable of meeting all your needs they're not capable they're human there are certain things they just can't do and so we need to realize that, you know, Jesus died for that, not you. And so we can't put all that on the other person and expect them to meet all of our needs. Number three, if you don't work on the little things each day, they will become big things over time. You know, little things. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things. If it bothers you, talk about it. 
if it bothers you. Be able to listen to the other person. Sometimes that means to listen to things I don't want to hear. You know, when we say listen to people, you know, sometimes that means, well, do you, you know, and somebody will say, do you really want to hear this? You know, and we need to talk about them. We need to, if it bothers you, talk about it. Because if you don't, little things become big things over time. You know, and, and that's so true. Pray about it. Pray about it. If it's bothering you, pray about it. Lord, what should I do? Show me what to do. I may need to forgive. I may need to, I may need to just let it go. I may need to work on something in myself. May need to change something. The other person maybe needs to change. Sometimes we pray for the other person that God show them. Doesn't mean you always show them. You know, there's a difference between God showing somebody that they're doing something wrong and you showing them. You know, now he may use people, but there's just something about, you know, we don't always receive things from our spouse. I'm not saying we should or shouldn't. I'm just saying sometimes we don't. And so sometimes we have to pray. Lord, show them. Show them. And then I believe, number four, if you get stuck, get help. You know, if you get stuck, if you get to a certain point, I tell a lot of couples during marriage counseling, I say, you know, I can tell you all kinds of stuff right now. Most of all, most of it you're going to forget. Or most, some of it you won't believe me anyway. So we'll just wait. And, you know, remember, I'm always here. You can always call. Because, you know, sometimes you just get stuck. Or you get to something you need help and you get godly counsel. You pray about it. You seek the Lord. You know, Two becoming one is a process. It's a process. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen just when you get married. You know, it, it, takes, it takes effort. It takes effort. It takes willingness. It takes willingness to be able to go through the process. And, and so many times we avoid the process. I want to shift gears talking about husband and wives a little bit, but it's always important, I think, to remember that learn your spouse's love language. Learn the other person. Think about them a little bit. Try to understand them. Try to know them. And usually their love language is different than yours. And usually you'll find out more and more as you live with somebody. As you live with somebody. You know, I believe dating has a different love language than, than one we have after we get married a lot of times. Okay? You know, there's things that you do. I, you know, Mary, she dug out, I think she did. You know, we're going we're gonna to celebrate our 50th this summer. And so I think she found some old letters that I wrote. I didn't think I ever wrote like that. You know, you know, before you get married, your love language is a little different than after you get married sometimes. Sometimes, you know, it's, 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 it's still the same some things, but some things change. And maybe not always for the best. But we have different things that we like. You know, different ways that it says, I love you. And I just want to go through them. You know, words of affirmation. You know, I think you're great. 
I like the way you cook. I like the way you, you know, it can be very simple things, but, you know, just affirm me. I like the way you take care of the children. I like the way you, whatever they do, you, I like the way you do that. And they go, oh, thank you. Some people, that's just, that's what they need to hear. They need to hear somebody saying, hey, good job. Good job. Good job. Some people like spending time together. So you got to figure out what, sh- what is my spouse like? You got to kind of, kind of get it. You know, you got to figure it out. Sometimes it's as simple as asking them. You know, it's not like it's a, sometimes a big mystery. Sometimes it's like, say, what is it you really like? Sometimes it's time together. Time together, take a walk. Listening, you know, just listen to me a little bit. Sometimes it's enjoying hobbies, ho- hobbies or activities together, spending time together. For some, it's physical touch, holding hands, hugs, physical touch. For some, it's acts of service, helping with chores. I've shared before, it's worked out really, really, really well in our family, in our marriage. Marriage love language is acts of service. One of my strong things is serving. One of the things I just love to do is serving. So it works out pretty well. Sometimes the timing's a little off, but it works out pretty well. Timing being off means she wants the acts of service a little quicker than what I do it. Okay, now you understand when a spouse says, hey, can you fix this faucet? The other spouse thinks, absolutely. I just don't know when. You know, and so I try to I try to remember that that's a love language to her. So I ought to probably do it sooner than later. And that usually works out better, you know, that I do it soon. So, you know, help with chores, fixing things cleaning things you know she likes it when i clean the car you know i don't do it as often as i'm sure she would like but you know when i do she likes that or sometimes she reminds me you know have you you know the car is looking kind of dirty could you clean it you know and uh so that's that's a love language sometimes it's things like taking off your shoes you know, if you're trying, if your spouse likes to keep things clean, then you take off your shoes. You know, sometimes we make a lot of things too difficult. Sometimes it's the little simple things. It's the little simple things. It's doing the simple things. Some, for some, it's gifts. Their love language is gifts. Flowers, cards, jewelry, clothes, you know. That can be a person's love language, you know. I like I like getting I like a gift. You know, that's and, and again, you know, it's worked out well in our case. That's not the case with either one of us, so that works out really well. You know, I don't have to worry about, I don't think. Um I don't I you know I'm not I, you know, and I don't I'm never good at you know, I remember a birthday just to say happy birthday. I remember it most of the time, you know. But, you know, I don't have to worry about getting things at Valentine's Day. You know, since that's not really her love language. You know, not that it's wrong and and I've done it. But if I don't, it's okay. Now, for some, if that's your love language, trust me, if that's your wife's love language, you better not forget it. Okay? 
You just need to know. You got to get it kind of figured out. But if that's her love language, you know, don't go home and say, well, Pastor Rod said he didn't get married enough for Valentine's Day. So what are you all upset about? You know, no, no. I said that's not her love language, but that may be your spouse's love language. If it is, you better do it. See, we need to we need to kind of understand how we say, I love you. You know, how do we treat somebody? It's what it's what they want. We got to learn what it is they want. We got to think about the other person. In Ecclesiastes, the fourth chapter, the twelfth verse, it says, "Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand, and a threefold cord is not easily broken." Threefold cord. Husband and wife is two. You can work together. You can withstand a lot. You can withstand a lot. But there is still an opportunity to have things you can't handle. But I believe when you add the Lord to that third chord, that then it makes something that can't be easily broken. I believe that ingredient does something that nothing else can do. When he's there working in our lives, when he's there strengthening us, helping us, changing us, when we're looking to him, when we're trusting him. I'm not saying everything is perfect, but I'm just saying it makes that cord stronger. It makes it stronger than just two. It makes it stronger than just two. And I'm not saying that Christians with the Lord can't have problems. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if he's there and you trust him, he'll get you through it. He'll show you. He'll be there for you. He'll strengthen you. You know, I believe families families have been under attack. I, I think they are under attack. I believe our children are under attack. I believe that whole foundation is being attacked. And I believe one of the reasons is because we don't have that third cord. Because families don't have that third cord. They don't have that cord that's there to keep it all together. They don't have that one there to look to to help them when it gets tough. They don't have that one to look to that can get them through hard times. Hard times. I believe that we're facing difficult times. I believe it's a product of what we've done over the last 30, 40 years. And basically, I still think it's because we don't have that third cord. Basically, we think we can do it on our own. Whether it's marriage, whether it's raising children, whether it's anything we do, we've just got to the point where we think we can do it on our own, we don't need God's help. That we're smart enough, strong enough, capable enough. And I just want to say and scream sometimes, and, and I, I've been doing some funerals. And, you know, I just want to sometimes say, folks, wake up. Funerals aren't exactly the best place to do that. But, you know, I want to say, wake up. Wake up. Look what's happening around us. And at some point in time, I think the world will say, you know, we've messed up. I, I think it gets to that point. I think there was times in Scripture, you know, when people got away from God so far, they finally, somebody said, 
Whoa, look where we're at. You know, in the Bible, one time they hadn't read the Word of God for so long, and then they stood up and they read it for, I don't know, days. Because they gotten so far away from it, and then when they heard it, they went, wow, look at this. And, you know, I think when it gets so bad, I, I think it, it kind of comes to that. Where else can you turn? Where else can you turn? You know, you look around and you go, well, where's our help come from? The Bible says, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Where's my help come from? Let's see. I tried the government. I tried the people around me. I tried all kinds of stuff. I thought I was strong enough, smart enough. I tried everything. Where's my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord, who made the heaven and the earth. Who made the heaven and the earth. And so, you know, we go through hard times. Where does our help come from? That's a choice. That's a choice. That's a choice. We have to choose. We choose to look to him and to trust him, to trust him to help us so that we can become what he wants us to be. You know, I think, I think as a people, as a nation, we've become what he doesn't want us to be. I think we've become something else. You know, and the hope is that where sin does abound, grace doth much more abound. So for us, as believers, then we need to realize that we have resurrection power living in us. We're not hopeless. We can be honest. We can see things around us and see them the way they are, but it doesn't leave us hopeless because we have the hope. We have the hope. We know the one to trust. And we know the one that's got the answer. And so we pray and we trust him in the midst of what seems sometimes to be hopeless. But we trust him. And we continue to share his word wherever we have opportunity because that's what's going to make the difference. You know, to share his word. So the next generation, that's why it's so important to talk about family. You might say, well, you know, my goodness, I've been married 50 years. I, you know, I don't even want to hear about marriage anymore. You know, it's too late or I got that all figured out or whatever it might be. But folks, it's the next younger generation coming up. They have to hear the word of God. If they don't hear it, where are they going to hear it? If we don't tell them, who's going to tell them? So it's important because that's the hope, the hope of the world. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is true. Lord, just help us to allow you to process us. Lord, you are the potter. We are the clay. Lord, you're the one that's in charge, not us. You mold us and make us into what you want us to be. Lord, help us to be willing to allow you to do that so we could become more like you. We could become more like you in all of our situations, not just marriage, but at work, at home, at play, wherever we are, Lord, just help us to be more like you. Lord, help us to be the light to the world. Lord, we just thank you that your resurrection power dwells in us, that we don't have to do this on our own, and we don't have to muster up enough strength. But Lord, we can trust you. So Lord, we thank you for that. We just pray, Lord, if anyone has a need for prayer, for for whatever it might be that they're... they're uh, wanting prayer for, Lord, uh, whether they've never made a decision to know you. Maybe there's some that have never made that decision to know you as their Savior. Lord, we sometimes think that 
well, if somebody's in church, they must have done that. But Lord, that's not the case. That uh, sometimes even people that come to church still need to know you. That's a decision. So Lord, if there's anyone who wants to make that decision, just encourage them to come up and let uh, Tom and Pam and Rose and Jim pray with them. Lord, that they might allow you to be Lord of their life and their Redeemer. Lord, we just thank you for that. Thank you for your presence with us. Lord, dismiss us now with your blessing. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you...